Hello and welcome to the Team GB podcast, the moments that made me in association with the University of Hull. I'm Radzi and over the course of this series, we aim to find out about the people behind the podium, specifically the moments that have made them the characters and athletes that they are today, but they can only choose three of them. Now, last week, we spoke to GB's gymnastics sisters, Becky and Ellie Downing, who are doing everything in their power to make their dreams come true next year in Tokyo. But today, we'll be speaking to Becky Adlington, who made her dream come true at the age of just 19 and her debut Olympics in Beijing back in 2008, walking away with two Olympic gold medals. Now, out of the water, she's forayed into reality TV and even become a mother. So I'm sure you'll enjoy hearing Becky's story. And if you do, please rate, review and subscribe. We massively appreciate your feedback. So without further ado, this is our two-time Olympic champion, Rebecca Adlington from her home in Stockport. Well, I'm absolutely pumped to be interviewing a Commonwealth champion, a European champion, a world champion, a two-times Olympic champion, Rebecca Adlington. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm not bad at all. I come to you from Wolverhampton. Lockdown hasn't affected my training, mainly because I'm not an Olympic athlete. But how's lockdown been for you, sort of being a former Olympic athlete? going to say I'm exactly the same as you I've enjoyed it as well because <laughs> nothing's really changed because I'm not exercising to that amount but I've been trying new exercises I started running again and my gosh that does not get easier we're like what 14 weeks into lockdown of running and I still struggle to run 10k I'm still like this isn't getting easier and I'm not getting faster I just don't think I'm meant for land I think I should stick to water <laughs> do, you, do you still get in the pool though well outside of lockdown yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah right yeah of course I normally do swim yeah I still love to swim for me like swimming is like my switch off I get to put my phone in a locker and no one can talk to me for an hour it's great <laughs> I love it that's proper bliss now I'd love to talk to you about your career in the water rather than lockdown water swimming um and I've got a test for you five questions to see how well you know your own career are you up for it oh my gosh I'll, I'll probably get these all wrong. Okay, go for it. Okay, question number one. How many Olympic, World, European and Commonwealth medals have you won in your career in total? No idea. Four. <laughs> um, maybe five. So we're not sure how many world medals we won. 17? That means a successful 17? career. Nailed on! 17! Yeah! That was a complete guess. I was like, I did the math. Now, question number two. At Beijing, obviously you won 800 metre gold. Who can forget that in a world record time? But what was that world record time? 8.14. Yes? 10? Yes! I was doubting myself then. I actually doubted myself. Question number three. Um, in the same game, your 400 metre gold was the first GB Olympic swimming gold for how many years? Oh, I don't know. About 20, I would say. So either you're really good at guessing or you're pretending because it's bang on 20. Adrian Morehouse, Soul 88. I would have said, yeah, I, I knew it was 80s, but I didn't know what 80s. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Question. Three of three so far, 100%. Is it 
So in the very same year, 2008, in Sports Personality of the Year, you came third that year. Chris Hoy won BBC Sports Personality of the Year, but who came second? I know this one, Lewis Hamilton. Yes, indeed. Yeah. What a year that was, by the way, for sport, because that's when he won his first title. You were double Olympic champion. Chris Hoy had the biggest quads on planet Earth. It was a great spotty that year. And final question. Can you make it five and five? Not many people have done this. In 2013, you were in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. You finished sixth, lasting 19 days. Six of the celebs who were voted out before you, how many of them can you name? <laughs> I knew one. I knew one. That was it. Before, so people that, after me, or the winners at the side. So to be clear, people that were voted out before you, that didn't last as long as you, there are six of them. There was the little, the Mo lady from EastEnders. I don't know her surname, really sorry. Is that Layla? Yes, Layla. Layla Morse. Yeah, can't remember her surname, sorry. Um... Who else was there? Steve Davis? Or did he beat me? Correct. The Nuggets, yeah. Steve Davis. Um, wasn't any of it. I can remember the guys that were at the other end. I know them all. I'm like, yeah, they came one, two, three, four. Yeah, okay. Um, I honestly can't remember. What who if I said Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Alfonso. No, Alfonso came out the same time as me. Oh, was he, was he not finished before you? No, we we left together. Should we call that a joint before? We're, it's a, te a technicality with Alfonso. Okay, it appears that my research has let me down on the old ITV I'm celebrating. Yeah, me and Alfonso left together. We came out together. We did the bridge walk together. We did our interview together. We did everything together. Did you do the Carlton dance together? He did teach me, yes. I can't say I did it very well, but yeah, he did teach me. And Vincent as well. Vincent Simone, I think he was out before yes. me. He was helping me learn to dance as well because I've got two left feet. So definitely Vincent as well. He was brilliant. So having two dancers in there. Um, what about Matthew Wright as well? Matthew. Yes, exactly. Matthew Wright. We've got one more. So you mentioned Vincent, Alfonso, Steve, Layla, Matthew, and there is one more. Amy? It begins with the same letter. A. Annabelle Giles. Oh, Annabelle. Oh, yes, Annabelle. But I've put you on the spot here to go back and try and remember basically your class at school and go, hang on a second here. If you I can't remember half an hour, people's <laughs> order at all. Like, I can remember, like, certain people, but I couldn't tell you the order. I was like, I know Kian won. After that, I don't know who came second, third, fourth, I don't know. By the way, we mentioned Steve Davis. You played snooker with him. Oh, I love Steve. Steve was so funny and not what I expected at all. Like, Steve just totally shocked me. Because when I first met him, he was very dry. He was quite shy, but didn't really say much. And I just clicked with him. Like, he was so much fun and so funny and clumsy and just hilarious. So different to what I imagine a snooker player to be. I'm not going to lie. Totally, I've worked with him and he's exactly that. Everyone goes, is that really what he's like? I thought it was meant to be boring. But this is a podcast about you, Becky, and specifically the moments that have made you. And for a first time, we may potentially have four moments that have made the particular person in question. It could go three, could go four, but we'll kick off with your very first moment that made you. And it was back in 2008. 
Yes, Beijing. It was just, I had to have Beijing in there. It would have been weird to not have Beijing in there, wouldn't it? It's not. Totally. Yeah. And Beijing, definitely. I remember after I got my second gold medal, um, I walked around, I did my poolside interviews and did the, and saw my coach. And my coach was the first person, Bill Furness, to say to me, he was like, Becky, you're double Olympic champion. Your life's going to change. And I laughed at him. I was like, don't be so silly. I was like, as if. And still to this day, whenever we see each other, we're like, yeah, you were right. <laughs> you were definitely right. It definitely changed my life. But obviously for the better as well. And it was just such a shock. Like people genuinely think I expected that result or we we knew what was going to happen genuinely didn't my parents didn't even fly out for the 400 even they thought she isn't going to make the final like they genuinely were like we don't think she's going to make the final on that one so we're going to like not come out because there were the two events are a few days apart and it is so expensive to fly to an olympic so my parents were like look we're going to concentrate on the eight because that's the one that you've got most chance of even getting any sort of final or meddling so they didn't even bother coming out for the four. And even like my coach, even everyone, we were so surprised. Like we honestly never expected that. We thought making the final on that 400 would be just the absolute dream. And we thought on the 800, I could possibly get a bronze medal. We thought if there was any, any place up for grabs, it was that bronze that was a little bit open. So it totally shocked us, everyone in my little team, my family, me, my coach everyone we never ever expected it to happen so if we go back to the final of the 400 you currently are medal less at the moment you're 19 years of age what's going through your head then because there was a lot of focus on katie hoff you've got i think was joe was joe jackson to your left at that point i think yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and there were there were talks of two brits in this final amazing but the attention wasn't necessarily on you no and then the final act, the final length, the attention almost still isn't on you. And then you mount this unbelievable comeback. But going back to the very start of the final, what was actually going through your head then? Nerves. I was so nervous, like ridiculously nervous. Because the finals were actually in the morning because of the time difference and everything. And um, we weren't used to that. And I know people will go, what difference does that make? But it makes a huge difference. Like you're just not used to getting up in the morning and racing your final. Um, So it was a very bizarre thing. I'm used to doing the 400 heat and final on the same day. So the fact that we got to go to bed was just a very weird thing. And I woke up feeling so lethargic. I just couldn't wake up. I felt awful. I was off my pacing in the warm up and my coach was just like trying to downplay it. He was just like, look, there's just no pressure on you. Just go out there and enjoy it. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to enjoy it, but thanks. Like (laughs) it's 400 free. It hurts. But anyway, and it, for me, having Joe there was a massive benefit. Like we are best friends. She's my best friend now. And We didn't have this rivalry that was really like, I want to beat you. We really helped one another. And we were almost like that security blanket for each other. And I think it calmed us down in the call room, being together, just chatting absolute crap, basically, beforehand, really kind of calmed us both. It made us both go, 
okay, like this is just normal. This isn't Olympics. This is just a normal final because I've got my best mate here and we're so used to racing each other and it was just fine. And the fact that we were next to each other in the lane order as well, huge benefit because we just knew how each other swam. We used each other. We pushed each other. We constantly look at each other going, come on then, no, you come on. And it was like, that was really helpful. Um, And it was just one of those that I dived in the water after this bag of nerves and the nerves do go away as soon as you dive in the nerves just settling then you just focus and you just concentrate in but I was kind of one of the rare girls in that event because most of those girls swam the 200 and the 400 so they had a bit more speed whereas I swam the 400 and the 800 so I had more distance and less speed so kind of like I wasn't ever going to be out in the lead on the 400 I wasn't ever going to take it out hard because I just don't have it possibly in me I'm not capable of kind of having that natural speed so I kind of just swam with everyone and everyone was pretty much in a line especially until halfway and then Katie Hoff the American girl she just kind of went out for it and I just was like I remember seeing her feet and just thought right she's gone don't concentrate on her. I couldn't see past her. So I was just like, just leave her. Just like, that's gone. But we could get in a good position here. We're not going to come last. So me and Joe were kind of pushing <laughs> each other. And something just happened with 100 metres to go. I finally just felt, okay, I'm coming in, into my own here. I find, I felt like I'd blown the cobwebs away. I felt like I was just like, okay, all that lethargic, all the tired, all everything had just disappeared. I kind of just finally came into my own. I kind of swam my own race. Um, And the last 50 metres, I remember just putting my head down and going. I was literally just like, I've just got to give it my absolute all here. I've got enough left in the tank. I know I have. Um, And I still wasn't really focused on Katie. I still thought she was way too far ahead for me to possibly catch her. And it was such a surprise when I touched the wall and like the scoreboard was behind us. So I touched the wall and turned round And it was so far away and like the name and then the numbers like kind of were at an angle. So I was like, am I seeing this right? Is the number one next to my name? I couldn't work it out. I was literally like, it took me a second to be like, is it next to my name? Like I was so shocked because I just thought there's just no chance of catching her. And then just looked at Joe and saw three next to her name. And both of us were like, ah, what just happened? And it was just like such an amazing moment, an amazing moment to share with your best mate as well. Like that is the rarity to have your best mate win a, a medal as well and be on that podium together was just unbelievable. And it was literally just down to the finish. It was so close. Every time I watch it back now, I go, how on earth did you win that? I still don't know. It it actually angers me watching it back. So I'm like, come on, Beck. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> getting gear. But it was time to perfection, even though I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> and then fast forward to the the final of the 800. Are you able to be more present at that point? Because you, you, you're an Olympic champion. A little bit. The girls were totally different, though. Like, the field was 100% different to the 400. I don't think there was one girl that was in the 400 that did the 800. So it was so different. And there was a lot of new girls in there as well that I didn't know about. Um, One of the girls, Lottie Fries, who I was so used to racing. I'd been to European Juniors with her. I knew what a tough competitor she was. So I knew that the field was stacked and it was different because I wasn't sure what sort of form they were on because they didn't do the four and they weren't suited to the four. So it was just kind of a totally different feeling. 
Um, and I definitely felt confidence, don't get me wrong. Like, I think the 400 gave me that. The 400 was like, okay, I know I'm swimming well here. I'm not going to have a complete shocker. And I think that always helps just knowing that, okay, I'm, I know that I'm in good form. Um, and the 800 was just so different. I just felt ready. Um, the, the only time in my whole career I've turned around to my coach before the call room where we walk down and normally always talk tactics, normally always talk about the what's going to happen. I just turned around to him and went, Bill, I'm ready. And he was like, okay. And we just knew something was going to happen. We didn't say what. I didn't ever expect the world records because my actual 400 final was actually slower than the heat. And with it being in the morning, most of the time the finals were a little bit slower. Um, and I'd swam a good time in the heat. So I kind of thought, you know what, I'm probably not going to do a PB here, but it's not about that. No one goes into an Olympic final thinking PB, thinking medals and places. It's just a little bit different in the final. So um, I just felt kind of ready to do it. I was nervous, don't get me wrong. I had to lie down at one point. My coach was like, are you okay? And I was like, I feel so sick. I thought I was going to throw up. Next minute then I thought I was going to burst into tears. And this is honest to God the <coughs> truth. My coach came over and tapped me on the head like a dog and went, it's okay. It's your body getting ready to race. I was like, cheers. <laughs> I was literally like, as if you're tapping me on the head like a dog. I was like, thanks, Bill. Like, that's not really helpful, but cheers. But he was right. It was, it was adrenaline. It was just my body getting ready to push it to the limit and everything else. And I dived in that race and I felt good. I was like, this is how an Olympic should feel. There was no lethargic. There was no kind of, oh gosh, I feel a bit tired. There was no nothing. I just dived in and felt good and thought, you know what? I'm going for this. Like, I feel good. Why not? Um, and I remember looking over with being obviously freestyle, always able to kind of look to the sides. And my coach always used to be on the side. Um, and he always used to give me some sort of signal, like your leg kick or pick it up. Somebody's like, he used to give me some sort of sign of where I'm at. And I remember with about 200 meters to go, I look over and Bill is going crazy. And I'm like, what does that mean? I have no idea. I was like, what does this mean? And Billy's like the calmest man. Like if anyone's ever seen Billy, he's normally like this. He's just so calm and like never see that side of him. So I just panic thinking somebody's obviously chasing me. I can't see. Something's happening I don't know about. So I'm just going to go. And I just remember that last 200 meters, everything hurt. My earlobes hurt. Like it was burning. Like my legs burnt. I was like, I am on fire here. Like I physically couldn't push my body to the limit any more than I was. And I was like, this is it. I can just empty the tanks. I've got no more races after this. I'm having a holiday. Just go back. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't care if you have to go into hospital. You are giving it all. So I just put my head down and went. And I realized after it was because I was on world record pace that he was cheering so much. But I didn't know that. I didn't have a clue what time I was going. So touching that wall and I kind of knew I had won because I was like, nobody is near me here. So I kind of, it was very different coming into the wall on that race because I knew I had got the gold, which was just amazing. Um, but seeing that world record was just, I could not believe it. I think I literally went like that because I could not believe it. I was literally like, that record just was as old as me. It wasn't even something that had entered my little brain that I could have achieved. I just thought... Really? 
I honest to God never ever thought that was possible. Like I just had always looked up to that world record being like, that isn't going for years. And it was so old and it was just, it was always that record that was just like, whoa. And it was just never a possibility. I just thought my PB is nowhere near it either. It wasn't like I was like 0.5 off or something like that. I wasn't even close right. to it. So the fact that I had broken it was just amazing. And my parents were there as well. And my parents were actually involved in ticket fraud in Beijing, which was just awful because um, there was a whole scandal all, all over that in Beijing. And luckily somebody had given them tickets, but I had no idea where they were sat. So there's me at the end of my race looking around the pool going, where is my mum and dad in 17,000 people and just could not find them. I was never going to find them. It was like a needle in a haystack and somehow the cameraman found my mum and dad. I think it's because they were the only Brits with a British flag that they went to them. But still, I didn't care because it was my mum and dad. And I just saw them flash upon the big screen and they're both crying. They were both cheering. And I was just like, that was just, for me, the perfect sequence of events. It was like gold, world record, my parents turning around, seeing my coach, my teammates, everything. It was just my movie moment. It was just absolutely amazing. Um, and still my highlight from any Olympics, just seeing that perfect sequence of events. But we'll move on to your second moment that made you. And that's the thing you already alluded to, London 2012. Yeah, London was just so special. I think anyone, even as a fan, just remembers London in like just the aura around this country was just incredible. Like we all just came together and there was so much speculation beforehand as well. Is it going to be finished? Is it going to be go, go, go well? Is it going to be this? And there was so much like negative talk and that opening ceremony for me was just like battered out the park, shut everyone <laughs> up. Everyone was like, okay, yeah, this is amazing. And then everyone just got into it. The crowds, the fans, the um, volunteers, the athletes, like, I remember walking around the village just seeing anything that was Team GB. Hiya, good luck, or what's going on? Like everyone was just amazing. And it was, as an athlete, to be able to experience an Olympics is unbelievable, is an amazing honour. But to experience a home Olympics at the time that you're competing is just like winning the lottery for me. I think it was just the only way to describe it because it's just so rare. I mean, look at Steve Redgrave, Sir Steve Redgrave. He went to five and never did a home Olympics. So yes. I feel so grateful that I had that opportunity for a home Olympics. But I think with, with all of that came a lot of pressure and expectation. I was going into Beijing, this total unknown, this underdog. And now going into London, it was just so different. Everyone expected me to get two gold medals again. And I I put a lot of pressure and expectation on myself. It was more myself that was um, kind of the damaging part. Every athlete talks about that. It's the pressure that, and the, the, the result that you want that kind of kind of does the bad if you like everyone else was just trying to wish me good luck and not enough people know about the sport to know that I probably wasn't going to win two gold medals but thanks for believing in me and I took that on as pressure and expectation and um, I wasn't the same person in London I definitely wasn't I was older four years older <laughs> so that's a start but I'd also been through so much and my training had to change and adapt as well Swimming is a brutal sport and I've been doing it for 15 years. My body was tired. I was mentally, physically, you get niggles. I couldn't recover as quick. I was just really struggling. I was even 
speaking with my coach about only doing one event in London ahead of it. There was even those talks. It was kind of like, will my shoulder hold up? Will I get through it? How's this going to happen? And we just was like, you know what? We've just got to go for it and see what happens. And going into London, the 400, I knew I didn't have the speed of the other girls. I knew that I just... I, I certainly didn't have the speed four years later. I didn't have it in London, in Beijing, let alone in London. So I knew the 400 had really moved on. Um, something had changed in that four years as well. We went through the super shiny suit era, if people can remember that. Yeah. And that really changed the sport, massively changed the sport. It changed the world records, but the dynamic of it, how you approached events as well, it, it really did change. Um, so for me, for the 400, I remember swim in the heat and crying because I thought I didn't make the final. I was in the swim down pool and I was crying my eyes out going, I haven't made a final at a home Olympics. And then there was another heat to go. There was one heat left. And then my coach ran to me and was like, you're in eighth, you're going in eighth. And I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, what relief. An elephant came off my back at that point. And I was like, right, I've got to swim down and I've got to prepare. And I was like, oh, stop crying and just get on with it. And I literally went from thinking I hadn't made it to getting in this outside lane. And no one wants to be in an outside lane, but I was like, if I've got a lane, I don't care. Anything can happen. At least I'm in the water swimming. And I was just like, at least I'm in a home games final. Um, so to come out third, honestly, I just was so happy. It was almost like that was my gold medal because I had gone from that emotion in the morning of not making yeah. it to eighth to then coming third. I was like, it felt like a gold to me. I was so happy. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And I just was so ecstatic. It was faster than I'd swam in Beijing. I was like, there was no dis even slight disappointment that I got a bronze. And I was just like, thank gosh, I got a medal. I felt so much relief. It was unbelievable. Um, and I was like, perfect. I've got a medal at home games. Fantastic. Just what more could I ask for? Especially in the event that um, I, more was, I knew I was going to struggle more in. But going into the 800, I just, that was just so different because I swam the heat and I swam well. And I thought, fine, I'm, that felt fine. And then I dived in the final and I just had nothing more to give. I It was the most bizarre thing as an athlete that I just got, from a technical perspective, my season was just a little bit too long. I'd, my taper was right two weeks before that moment I just got it a little bit wrong and just by being that two weeks off meant that I just didn't have what I needed in the tank and I just didn't give up and I am so so proud of how I handled that because I could have easily just backed off even one percent to make it slightly easier on myself and I just didn't uh. I was like you know what I cannot come back at these girls. Like, I am just gone. I've got nothing to give, but I am not giving up. And I just gave it my absolute all. Um, I still can't ever say I'll be proud of my time. That is the thing. I, I wasn't prepared to swim as slow as I did. Everything was set up to swim a lot faster. I know the hardest thing is I know I was capable of faster as well. That's the thing. I knew I was capable. All my training was set up to go faster. But at the same time, you have to just get to the point where you go, you know what? Sometimes your best just isn't good enough. And they were better right. on the day. And that was purely what it was on the day. I just wasn't good enough. And Katie Ledecky, the American girl that won, 
we've at gone 15. at 15, but we've gone on to see her change women's freestyle for, forever. She has defined the history of women's freestyle. What she has gone on to do in the sport is unbelievable. She is like a Michael Phelps, people who don't know some in. She is just unbelievable. And the fact that you could kind of see that at 15. And women's distance women is very young. I was 19. She was 15. You're more teenage years. So for me at 23, I was kind of clocking on. I was like, come on. (laughs) So the fact that I got that bronze medal, I am so proud of it now because I look back and I'm like, how I handled that. I'm proud of the person I am. And that's why it changed me as a person because I wasn't a sore loser. I didn't place the blame on anyone else. I took that responsibility and how I handled it, um, I would like to think was was a very good way. Um, But at the time, I was just so emotional. I think I cried for 24 hours nonstop. I literally cried myself to sleep. And about 3 a.m., I finally got to sleep. I just couldn't stop crying. Just the emotion of the four years, but emotion that I knew that it was my last Olympics. Just everything. I thought I had disappointed people. The first thing I said to my coach was, I'm sorry. I felt like I disappointed him. I just thought, my gosh, he hadn't prepared for this. He had trained me better than this and I had disappointed him. I mean, he gave me a hug and said, don't ever say that to me again, which was lovely. But I felt that. I felt that I disappointed myself. I was getting tweets going, you're how shameful you've disgraced the country because you've got this bronze medal. And I was like, oh, I deserve it. so sorry. Whereas I think it took a long time for it to digest and hindsight's a wonderful thing. And then I looked back and I was like, hold on, I'm proud of that. Like, I was like, if you're third in the world in something, that's pretty good. And I was literally thinking to myself, who are these people sending me these messages? Because you aren't third in the world at something if you're sending me those. And I was just like, you know what? I only had myself to blame for that and that responsibility, but I am so proud of the person I was. Not many people can say they've got an Olympic medal from every final that they've swam in. And it's like now something that I'm really, really proud of, but it definitely took a little bit of healing time to get my head around it, that's for sure. The double gold was amazing, but the double bronze made me who I am now as well and mean just as much to me. I will always take my bronze medals into schools. I will always take them to events. I'm like, I am still proud of them. I'm not going to disgrace them and act like they're the runt of the litter because they're not. To me, they're not. And they mean so much. And I will always like hold those in the same regard as I do my gold. If I was in a fire, I wouldn't just save the gold. I'd save the bronze as well. So it's kind of like they mean so much to me. They've made me the person I am today. I learned so much about myself in London. I'd grown up so much as well. And I was just like, you know what? I've done the best I can. And I can honestly say in my career, I left no stone unturned. I have got no regrets. There is not one part of me that is like, well, what if? And what happened? What about that? Or what if that? I literally would do nothing different, nothing at all. I don't have any regrets. I don't have any moment that's like, if I had just done that, it could have equaled that. Absolutely nothing, because I gave it 110%. There's nothing more I could have possibly done. What an awesome headspace to be in. And that's, so we've heard your two of those moments. You mentioned London really was a moment that made the, you the person who you are. But there's another moment that came very much after your swimming career that I guess has made the person who sat in front of us here and probably means that you don't get as much sleep as you'd like. And that's the birth of your daughter. 
definitely being a mum is just that's just as life-changing as the Beijing moment for sure <laughs> that changes your lifestyle in a whole different perspective but <laughs> it's totally changed me as a person and I know loads of people say that as parents and like yes your life does change as in the way that like you said you don't sleep and you have to now look after this other human being and you don't get to go on nights out or do all that sort of stuff but more me as a person it's changed um everyone said when I was pregnant oh Becky's gonna be like bad cop and because I am quite when I swam I was had to be selfish of course she did and I was very much I'm very black and white I'm very honest I'm very opinionated I'm very much that person and everyone was like oh your kid's gonna be disciplined and kind of know that and then this little one arrived and I was like I am so soft. Like, it has completely <laughs> changed me. I am not bad cop at all. I am good cop. I give in so much. It's made me a worrier. I think your instant reaction as a parent is to worry and have guilt. I think if you're a mum and don't have those two things, something's wrong because every person I speak to, all of a sudden, this worry and this guilt comes out that you never knew was possible. And I worry now about everything. I constantly am like, does she have this? I managed this. I'm and that never changes. But I was never a worrier. I was never an overthinker, a worrier, or anything like that. And now I'm just this person that I'm like, not competitive that's gone I'm like where did that go did I give birth to my competitiveness I'm like that's just disappeared I'm like that's just gone I'm just like I always let her win if we're playing games everyone's like she needs to learn and I'm like oh (laughs) and I'm just like it's just completely changed who I am and I think for the better I certainly think for the better it's made me a better person I'm now way more selfless than I ever was on caring and considerate and everything that I ever was so I definitely think for the better but my gosh the journey and going from being married to then being a single parent that is just every stage I think parents talk about every stage the baby stage the first six months then when they're teething then when they're walking starting school and throwing in single parents part of that and everything else so I think the whole journey is a constant you constantly have to adapt it's about being flexible and just adapting and changing with it and just going with it winging it that's my ultimate motto (laughs) wing it we're all winging it if if somebody preaches to you they're lying because we're all winging it, <laughs> that's for certain. But yeah, it's definitely just been an amazing journey and one that I just never, ever want to get off this train because I love being a parent. But uh, yeah, definitely throws its challenges in. And I think it's helped us bond as well, being single parents. I think we have way more individual time than sometimes you do with two parents there. I think we now yeah. spend quality time together as a family. We make effort. We went on a skiing holiday in January, just us three. That And like that probably wouldn't have ever happened before because we'd always been so busy and doing your own things. And we've actually made time to now go for lunch together, go on walks together, days out together a lot more and have that family time. And then I have this individual bond with her when it's just me and her that's just absolutely amazing as well so I'm like I get kind of best of both (laughs) do you think being a mother so when I think about my mum I come from a single parent family is that I feel as though that's kind of a made me but also when I speak to my mum I've only ever known my mum as a mum I didn't know her before that and she said Radzi if you knew me before I was a mother I was not the same person at all do you feel like it's actually I suppose, changed how you even see yourself. Definitely. 
I very often forget about the swimming stuff because it's just not in my day to day anymore. And it's very hard. I feel like I have to switch hats a lot because I go to an event and I have to go swimming hat. And then I'm, I, as soon as I leave, I'm like mum hat again. And it's the mum hat I wear the most. And it's, I just forget. And she doesn't care as well. So many people say to me, she must really look up to you. What a great role model. I'm like, she doesn't care. I was like, she doesn't have an absolute <laughs> Scooby-Doo. She's just literally like, the first day of school, they had like a year six buddy team up with them. And she's just started reception. And she came home and I was like, how's your day at school? And she went, mummy somebody's just told me that you're the fastest swimmer in the world. And I was like, all right. I was like, and how's that? And she was like, yeah, well, all right. Mum, can I have this? And she just doesn't care. At all. <laughs> I've shown her my Olympic medals before and she just swings them about and throws them about. And it's just kind of like that side of me, I feel like that chapter is so closed. And I feel like doing things like this is really nice because I get an hour to just relive that other person that person that's still there, it's just very deep down inside that I kind of forget about. So it's always really nice to do things like this because I'm like, that did happen to me. And I get just one hour of a day to just go, oh yeah, that is amazing. And it's just incredible because just the rest of the day, it just doesn't even enter my mind. And I am a very different person now, exactly like your mum. And I think all parents are the same. And I'm so glad with my mum. I have this relationship with my mum that I do see her as a person. I'm really close to my mum and I think all the years we spent together swimming and everything else and doing things together really gave me this opportunity to get to know her that isn't just mum I need this mum I need that like I can have a genuinely laugh with my mum because I get her humour I get her I get what she likes and her passions and I really want that with my daughter as well I want my daughter to get to know me not just mum me I want us to kind of have that bond that I have with my mum question when you had, took summer to swimming lessons what's that like for all the other mums and dads in the water they're going is that Re- is that Re- she looks just like Rebecca and it can't be it can't be her in the same what is that mental for them it was absolutely fine because it's my own learn to swim program so it was fine so it was just kind of like oh, oh it's right. fine so yeah because it's mine that it's like it's nice because everyone's going to Becky Allenton swim stars and we're just my daughter Perfect. is putting on a Becky Allenton swim stars hat and I know the teacher really well and I don't get involved I literally drop my daughter off at the drop-off point I sit there on poolside and I just watch I laugh because the some of the stuff my daughter does her ability at swimming is not there and it's hilarious <laughs> watching her do backstroke or whatever I just end up giggling at some of the stuff that she does but I just don't get involved I'm not one of those pushy parents and I just want her to enjoy it and whenever we go like as I take her on my own I just make sure it's fun because that's exactly what it was yes. for me it's she's five do you know what I mean? I'm not trying to change, train her for the Olympics. I want her to play mermaids with me and dive in and jump through a hoop and play with toys and find a, a sinker on the bottom of the floor because that is what swimming was for me. I didn't take swimming seriously until I was like 11 years old. So I don't want her to. I just want her to enjoy it and have fun. I don't try and teach her anything when we go. I'm like, just have fun. Like, let's just play. And that's exactly what it is. Awesome. Um, the, the other side of your life, I suppose, would be your family before you had your own family. And another moment that made you was, sadly, illness in your family. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, back when I was 15, my I've got two older sisters and Laura was 17 and illness just struck our family. Um, Chloe, my eldest sister, had been through Emmy and she was dealing with that and she had kind of managed to slowly recover from that. And then in one year, I think it was about the March time I got diagnosed with glandular fever and post-viral fatigue. And literally a month later, um, my sister Laura got encephalitis, which is a brain virus. And it starts out as just the flu. Like she just had the flu and her temperature was through the roof and she got admitted to hospital. And I remember she was lay on her hospital bed and she just turned around to my mum and said, mum, call the nurse. And mum was like, why? And she was like, mum, call the nurse. And next minute we know, Laura's eyes are rolling back in her head and she's having a fit. We all get rushed out and get shoved in a waiting room. Laura gets wheeled off. Um, she goes into intensive care. She gets put in an induced coma. They had no idea what was wrong with her because like most people, we haven't heard of encephalitis a lot, especially 15 years ago. We didn't know what encephalitis was. It is a little bit more well known now, but not back then. The doctors didn't know what was wrong with her. She was in intensive care for around just over a week and still not diagnosed wasn't until she got transferred to a much bigger hospital in the city that they actually turned around to us and said she's got encephalitis and we were like what is that we, we didn't have an absolute clue and mum did all this research and the doctors kind of really helped us but I remember the doctor turning around to us at one point saying you need to say your goodbyes you need she isn't going to survive this and at 15 I was like how do I what I was just kind of like an absolute mess. I just, we never expected it, um, especially just from the flu. And I actually never went to see my sister in the coma. My parents kind of, we all sat down and made the decision that if I was going to remember Laura, I didn't want to, my last vision of her to be with tubes, everything in her, because they had obviously been in and they were like, she's, that's just not, how we want you to picture her it wasn't right remembering all the tubes and everything that was going on so I actually never went to see her and I think now I look back and I'm like god I wish I had I really wish I had but I understand at the time being 15 and I understand why that never happened but it totally changed us as a family it just brought us together and luckily she pulled through Luckily, she was 17, she was healthy and got diagnosed early enough to catch it because unfortunately many people do die from it. It has a really high um, fatal rate. So it's just, it was such a shame, but luckily she did pull through and it just made us all less petty. Normally at 15, you are yelling at your parents going, I hate you and I want to go here and I want to do this. Mum and dad, give me 20 pounds. There was none of that in my family. Like it completely made us have a totally different outlook on life we were like wow life is short like how short it can be and how it can just get snatched away from you at any moment and made us honest with each other it made us more open it made us closer it took away kind of that um pettiness it made us realize responsibilities as well we really had to grow up we were like all pulling together and helping one another me and my sister were running the household so my mum and dad could be at the hospital. We were doing absolutely everything to help one another and support each other. Um, and I just think it made me with swimming as well. Swimming became my escape in that time. I was still ill, but I was going to the pool and it became this place where I just got to be 15 and forget that my sister was in hospital. 
And it became the place that then I went to, no matter what emotion I was feeling, I'd go swimming and it made it feel better. It was like my meditation almost. It just brought me so much relief and it helped my career as well because it made me put things into perspective. At any point that I felt, okay, this got a little bit too much, I would go, this isn't life or death. I know what life or death is. Something bigger than sport was going on and I was able to switch off. Most athletes really struggle with kind of switching off from that focus. Whereas I left swimming and straight away I switched off from the pool because something bigger was happening. So swimming was my secondary. So it was just like, okay, switch off, family now. And that's what it gave me, that ability to switch off as well, which I really used throughout my whole career. Um, And it is still something that as a family, we've just all sometimes appreciate. Whenever anyone mentions it, we all just want to hug each other. And we all just kind of share that kind of ultimate bond straight away that we're like, we are so glad we've had the time with Laura that we could have so easily got taken away from us. Final question is we mentioned about your parents' reaction to you becoming champion in Beijing. We mentioned your coach's reaction. What was your sister's reaction? Oh, they were just hilarious. Um, I think in Beijing, one of my sisters turned around to me and was, was like, Beck, will you just brush your hair? You look awful. I was like, <laughs> like my sisters have never changed with me. And I love that. Like they're just normal sisters with me. They were like, Becky, make sure you do your hair and make sure you do this. And after London, um, my family were actually able to come. Down. They managed to find my family in the stands and they brought them down to this, um, the media zone. So after my 800 podium, I'm crying my eyes out and I go to see my family in this corridor and I give them all a hug and I'm crying my eyes out. And my sister Chloe just turns around to me and goes, Becky, I just touched Michael Phelps. And I was like, <laughs> sorry? I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, well, Michael Phelps has just walked past and I just brushed his shoulder. I was like, well done, Michael. And I absolutely laughed. I was just like, you know what? That is exactly what I needed at that moment when I was so upset. I was apologizing. I was like, I'm so sorry. I've let you down. And my sister just didn't even acknowledge it and told me she had touched Michael Phelps. And I was like, that is what family are for. Like that is the beauty of your siblings is that they just don't care. They just love you. They want to share things with you that have happened there. Like that's what I love about it. And my sisters have always been my biggest fans. They are my biggest supporters. They are constantly helping me, being selfless. Like throughout my training years, I they used to make sure that dinner was on the table when I got home. They used to make sure that they had done their homework to help me with mine. I know that I could ring up my sisters and ask them anything. They would drop whatever they're doing to be there for me. And I just love that. We are, And I would do that to, for them as well. Um, and we just have this beautiful family dynamic that is just fun and caring and loving. And we're just like best mates, which I love. Becky, this last hour has been a genuine joy. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us. And who knows, we might be sitting here in 20 years time, maybe with your daughter because she's become an Olympic champion. Not at swimming, but yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, Becky. Thank you so much for your time. What incredible insight from one of the best swimmers we've ever produced. I mean, what she achieved in London, but particularly in Beijing, will live long in the memory. I know that when it comes to Olympic Games, I remember things in images. And one of those images is undoubtedly Becky Adlington, hand in the air, 
face totally shocked at what she's just achieved, becoming an Olympic champion. What a humble individual. What a woman. Just wow. Well, if you enjoyed that, make sure you join us next week on the moments that made me in association with the University of Hull for insight into another Olympian's defining moment. And that Olympian is three times Olympic champion in the men's team pursuit, none other than Ed Clancy. Thank you very much for listening and see you next week.